As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, guys? The week three preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is here. We got Bears, Chiefs. We got news and notes, which I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time on. And we have Jacob Milham from the Arrowhead Attic to help us preview the actual game. Because believe it or not, there is a football game to be played at the end of this week between the Bears and the Chiefs. A rather important one for, uh, for both teams, actually. Uh, the, the Chiefs are 1-1. One and one. They have not really looked good in either of their performances. The Bears are 0-2 and have um, had one hell of a week in Hallis Hall. And it's only Thursday. So there's a lot to cover, a lot to get to. So let's go ahead and see how much of the muck we can try to uh, to get our way through. This is the week three preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud and I don't know. Boy, oh boy, what a crazy week it has been. And uh, like I said, it's only Thursday. Here it is. Uh, Late Thursday afternoon that I'm recording this uh, part. Unfortunately, we don't have any more information or details on what the whole Alan Williams situation uh, is all about. Right now, the company line is that he is resigning to um, focus on his health and his family. Okay, so we'll go with that uh, for now. And, uh, you know, when new details emerged, then... We'll find out what's uh, if that is the truth or what's really going on here. Because um, even today on Thursday, the Thursday is the big like meet with the media day for the head coaches and the coordinators and, and things like that. And uh, filling in for uh, or filling in the interview spot that uh, would have gone to Alan Williams today, uh, Ryan Poles, who generally does not speak to the media, I think at all during the week on, on outside of special occasions took it upon himself to talk with the media uh, today. We'll get to that in, in, in just a minute. But let's let's kind of break down everything that happened yesterday uh, in Hallis Hall. Okay, number one, it starts, and this is chronologically for me. Okay, it starts with the news that uh, seemingly out of nowhere, because there wasn't really any talk uh, about this on Sunday, uh, didn't see him leave the game early, didn't notice anyone coming and playing in his spot, but Braxton Jones, uh, our starting left tackle, uh, who has struggled in the first two games of the year, um, who was uh, you know, basically a, a ever-improving player throughout the year last year as a rookie, being thrown in as a fifth-round draft choice to be our starting left tackle uh, last year. He took some rookie lumps here and there, but relatively played very well and progressed along the season and I think out of all the law offensive linemen he was the only one that started and played in all 17 games uh last year and um so we thought he was a good building block he was you know penalties this miscues that against the Packers and then once again uh, against the Buccaneers has been sidelined with a neck injury uh he has been placed on injured reserve so he's out for at least the next four weeks and there was I've, I read a couple of posts where they think the there's a possibility that the neck injury could be season-ending, which probably means he'd require surgery at some point 
uh, to alleviate whatever it is in his neck that is bothering him. So he goes on injured reserve. That was the first thing that I heard um, about anything going on with the Bears. Uh, later on, uh, they basically elevated Aviante Collins uh, from the roster, or excuse me, from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. So I believe he becomes the new swing tackle. Uh, because uh, and, and it's still kind of open for debate who our left tackle is going to be. We're probably not going to find out until sometime early on Sunday just for quote-unquote competitive uh, reasons, uh, who our left tackle is going to be. They did mention in the press yesterday, and, and uh, or maybe it was early today, it's all kind of blended together, but uh, that, uh, you know, you have Larry Borum, who's played right and left tackle uh, for the Bears since being drafted in, in 2021. Um, you have uh, Darnell Wright. There has been some discussion about pushing him over to the left, probably plugging in Larry Borum uh, on the right side. Uh, he has he did play some left tackle uh, in college. He's athletic for it as well. Uh, I also heard uh, Coach Eberflus mention uh, J.T. Carter, who filled in on uh, who filled in on Sunday for Nate Davis at right guard, and um, they're saying he's athletic enough to push to the outside uh, at left tackle uh, as well. So right now, it's anybody's guess who that could be. Uh, as far as who's uh, going to be out there at uh, left tackle. So we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it'll come out uh, during the week. But I, I would say we probably won't find out until sometime early on Sunday who the starting left tackle is going to be for the Bears uh, on Sunday. And to fill in the hole on the practice squad, Austin Pleasants, uh, an offensive lineman, was signed uh, to fill in that practice squad uh, spot. Then... Uh, in their, I, I guess it's their usual uh, press, uh, f- you know, face the press thing on Wednesday. Uh, Justin Fields, for the first time, addresses the media since the uh, since the football game on Sunday against the Buccaneers, um, when basically saying, you know, yes, I've been I've been robotic, I've uh, I've been thinking too much, I've been doing this, that, and the other. And somebody asked him what what could uh, what contributed to it, and a quote of his was taken out of context. But it was uh, eye-opening, to say the very least. Um, I was, it was among many things that he said that could have been going along with this. But, you know, taking a lot of it on himself, but at the same time, he did say coaching. And, you know, basically saying that, you know, um, he, in, to read between the lines. And, you know, I don't mean to put words... Uh, in Justin's mouth, but basically the way that he was talking uh, about it made it sound as this, though it's not so much that they're throwing too much at him, but that they're overcoaching him. That instead of, you know, being just giving clear, concise things that maybe they're piling on uh, and, and things like that. And it, uh, it was definitely looked upon as a shot across the bow as far as, uh, you know, Justin kind of throwing down. Uh, the gauntlet because it was followed by comments about him just going out there uh, and I couldn't find the direct quote but he's like basically you know it's like I'm just gonna go out there and say F it and just play uh, play football the way that I know how uh, to play football less thinking more doing uh, and things like that so that sounds nice uh, you know let's uh, hear let's see what the offense looks like when Justin Fields is out there just playing and doing, reading, reacting, instead of thinking 
about every single possibility because honestly, listening to him talk like that, especially that one play that everybody keeps going back to where he's sitting back there in the pocket and you're seeing one receiver after another come across his eye line open and he's hanging onto the ball. The only explanation for what is going on there is that he's thinking about it. He's thinking too much. Like he's trying to play out in his head in, in you know, there as it's happening live. What would happen if I throw here? What happens if I throw here? What happens if I throw here instead of actually just picking one and doing it? Which one looks best and just do it? Because that's how it has to happen in the NFL, unfortunately. You know, it's it's not like a, you know, like a strategy RPG game or anything like that. You play in a video game, you have time to think about how you want to strike, where you want to strike, and all that kind of stuff. No, this is the NFL, and yes, essentially that is what you're doing, but you have to do it in a microcosm to get it done. And uh, he's sitting there thinking that he's got all day, like he can stand back there, hit pause, and then methodically look and see how everything is going to work out to make sure he makes the right decision which means not only is he thinking, but he's not wanting to make a mistake as opposed to just wanting to make a play. You know what I'm saying? So um, if that's going to open the floodgates for Justin to go out there and, and play Justin's football game, then I'm all for it. So, um, you know, he did call the media in after practice because the press conferences take place before practice, saw that basically his phone was blowing up on what he said, he called the media back into the locker room and and clarified that he wasn't taking a shot at coaching. He wasn't, you know, going after uh, Getzy or Jonico or anything like that. He, like I said, it was a it was a it was a comment taken out of context. It was part of what he said, and it's like I will always take the take it on me if uh, if I throw a pass and a guy drops it, then it was on me. I didn't put it in the right place or you know things like that. That's his. That's his job. That's what he feels his responsibility. The offense runs through him. He's a leader, and he knows that. So um, it wasn't looked upon that way. Ryan Poles uh, reiterated that in his comments uh, today uh, as well as far as uh, how that whole thing was taken. Now, when just when you thought that the news really couldn't get any bigger or uh, more dramatic uh, for Justin Fields, then all these rumors about Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator for the Bears, and, uh, you know, it did kind of, it actually kind of built up a little bit after the morning press conferences because Eberflew spoke with the press, wouldn't say definity, definitively or not if Allen Williams was still employed uh, by the organization. It later came out that he had already given his resignation that morning, so he wouldn't say for sure. But um, the only thing that he would say is if Allen doesn't participate this week, then I for sure will be calling the plays uh, on Sunday. But, you know, his standoffish approach and just simply answering that question, I mean, even if he just lied about it, it would have been better than what he did, but was just basically tried to evade the question as much as humanly uh, possible. And I know he's got people over his shoulder telling him what he can and cannot say, but I would have lied. If it was me, I would have lied. Like, yeah, he's still our defensive coordinator, but, uh, you know, we're, he's still working through something. And when we know more, we'll let you know. It's, uh, you know, and that's easy for me to say. Obviously, I wasn't the one with the bright lights and the cameras in my face, but I think that's would have been a better way to handle it, to be quite honest with you. Um, but 
even as he comes in, uh, after they come in and practice, the situation uh, escalates. And like I said, there were a ton of rumors uh, talking about, you know, police raids or the FBI or something raided his home, also raided Hallis Hall uh, earlier that day. That turned out to be false uh, as far as the, the raid on, on Hallis Hall. Uh, it was rumored that Peanut Tillman came to the organization because of familiarity and was the one that laid it out for Kevin Warren, Eberflus, and Ryan Poles about what what happened at Ryan, or that it was happening at Alan Williams' house uh, and things like that. That was also tr- untrue uh, and things like that. Bottom line, after all was said and done, we still don't know what the actual situation is with Alan Williams. But later in the afternoon... Um, Alan Williams resigned as defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. So he is out. Uh, it was rumored that he might not be back. And, uh, you know, he released a, a statement saying that he wanted to focus on his, on his health issues and uh, his family and uh, thank the organization, thank Ryan Poles and everything for the opportunity to uh, you know, be a part of the organization and so on and so forth. The things you say when you walk away. And uh, that's all we know right now. And I'm not going to play the game where I try to weed through the, you know, the things that have been pushed out there, what it could be. I'm going to wait until somebody actually comes out and said, here's what happened. So um, nonetheless, um the way that it was being uh, talked about, I think, earlier this morning was, um, you know, Ryan Pohl says it was possible that uh, titles get reassigned uh, on the defensive staff. So it sounds like the Bears are going to name a new defensive coordinator instead of just leaving it to um, Eberflus to be the play caller for the rest of the uh, year. One of the names I've heard that it could be is our linebacker coach. Uh, I think it's Dave Borgonzi. Uh, who also came from Indianapolis uh, with flu, so he would definitely be familiar uh, with the system. And kind of quietly in the background, as the whole thing with Allen Williams was stewing, as the Justin Fields thing was kind of, uh, you know, the dust was kind of settling on that, you know, Allen Williams and obviously everything that was going on there was the the talk of everything that was going on uh, yesterday. The Bears cut Nathan Peterman. And... Then they re-signed him this morning to the 53-man squad. So I don't know what that was. Uh, I haven't really seen anything out there that can explain what the hell that was. Um, you know, if it maybe it was something that the Bears were trying to do as far as, uh, like, they, they let him go to make room for someone else. That didn't work out, so they signed Peterman back. Um, obviously there was some, uh, some conspiracy theorists out there who thought that, oh, Justin wants to talk trash about the, uh, about the coaching staff, then they're go ahead and cut Peterman, which would make Tyson Bagent the backup quarterback. And then, you know, when Justin falls flat on his face, you know, for the next couple of weeks, then we throw the rookie in there, see what we got for the rest of the season. And, uh, you know. We'll figure everything out in 2024. Like everyone kind of thought this was the Bears' quiet response, like this backhanded response to Justin Fields' comments uh, or whatever. But then re-signing Peterman back to the 53-man squad today, I don't really know what that was all about. So, you know, and then finally today on Thursday, 
Uh, like I said, Ryan Poles spoke with the uh, spoke with the Chicago uh, media, and basically just uh, let me tell you something. After after reading his comments, because I didn't sit through the press conference, after reading his comments, a lot of this is stuff that they the the you know, if there's one good thing that's come from this whole mess of a day that they had yesterday uh, in Hallis Hall, it's that. Uh, it, it feels like it's forced the Bears to be a bit more transparent about themselves and what's really uh, going on. Not so much with Alan Williams, but what, with, what they've been doing. Um, because he did mention, uh, I, didn't, I don't think I have it here in the comments that I've uh, set aside, but he did mention uh, when talking about uh, Fields that um, he didn't face a pass rush in training camp which then what's the point of really? I mean, I know you can't hit the quarterback, but really he spent all of training camp thrown against air. Is that what you're telling me? Or seven on seven. So he hadn't the, the whole time he, he's not worrying about guys coming after him or possibly coming from behind. That really happened. I mean, maybe that goes a long way into explaining why it is this clock in his head seems to be broken. That just like one, it's one second. It's running too fast. Other times, it's just way too slow. He's sitting back there, not a problem in the world. Like he doesn't have seven guys coming after him, uh, kind of thing. It definitely, you know, it, that was an eye-opening thing that I heard. Uh, you know, when I when I read that situ- when I read that uh, statement from uh, from polls, he wishes there were more. They were getting more reps in the uh, preseason, but let's let's start from the from the top. You know, Ryan Poles comes in and he says, to make it really, really clear, and this is a direct quote, I know the outside noise, but no one in our building is panicking. No one is flinching at any situations. Not our owner, not our president, not our head coach, and not myself, none of our players. Everyone's focused on solving the issues that we have so that we can be a better football team. So there's that. Then he says, with Flus, got a lot of ton, got a ton of faith in Flus. He's a leader. He's done a great job, and then as a defensive play caller as well, got a ton of faith there. Is the situation easy? A sudden change easy? No, it's not, but he handled it well. He's leaned on his staff that has experience to help him get through that and be successful. We'll figure out all the titles and everything, I'm sure, next week. None of that's been dealt with right now. We'll, we'll, go, through, we'll go through this week. We'll get through this week, he says. Uh, in terms of Allen Williams, I don't have any details to add there. We try to work the truth, but I know that there's a ton of misinformation out there. We talked about Hallis Hall being raided. That was completely false. I don't even know where that came from. Work with Kevin Warren, George McCaskey, all of our leadership to make sure we're handling it the right way, communicating properly, and obviously everything concluded yesterday. But we have a ton of confidence in our plan moving forward. In terms of Justin Fields, I can't be more clear than this. No one in our building, none of our coaches, see Justin as a finger pointer at all. He has always taken ownership of anything that's happened on the field. He takes it head on. He works. He grinds. He puts his head down. He works with his teammates, works with his coaches to find solution. Really, everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. In my opinion, you've got a young quarterback trying to figure it out, a guy who hasn't had the cleanest start of his career who last year with a roster that had to put the team on his back, do some unbelievable things athletically. Now he, now he gets talent around him, 
and has to figure out and balance when to do those cool things athletically, when to lean on others, and that is sometimes a great place to live in, and that takes time. That takes time on task for him to take, a, take the next step. Everyone's on board helping him get to that place for him to be successful. And then finally, I said from the beginning, I feel good about this roster on paper. It's got to gel. It's got to work together. It doesn't happen overnight. Would I like it to? Absolutely. I wish the preseason was cleaner where everyone was going to, was getting a ton of reps. It didn't happen that way. We had to adjust. I believe that we have a better team. It takes time to gel. We're doing things the right way, and unfortunately, sometimes the right way is the hardest way. But in order to have success for a long period of time, we got to go through, go through these things to be a good football team. And this is what I was talking about when I was saying that you know, the good thing about this is that it's forcing the Bears to be a bit transparent because they've been trying to sell us a bill of goods on this team up to this point without saying that. That has not been said yet about, you know, the preseason did not go the way we wanted it to. This team did not because it's, it's all there on the field. You see it. This team did not get to play together like they would have wanted to, namely the offensive line. Everybody was banged up, and because the offensive line was banged up, you don't want your quarterback out there to risk getting hurt in the preseason. So Justin Fields didn't get the amount of reps that you would, because he probably took more reps in game three against Cleveland last year when he played into the second half than he did in all of this preseason in three, in, well, he didn't play in the second game, but in, 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 in all the reps that he took in the Tennessee game and the Buffalo game, the third game combined, probably don't even come close to just the reps that he got in Cleveland in that preseason finale last year. And, you know, they've been basically trying to say, you know, they're going to hit the round running. we got a football team. We're ready to go instead of, you know, at the very you, – you got to realize who your fan base is. you got to realize who your fans are. We're not stupid. We've been around literally since the beginning. So you got to play it straight with us. You have to come at us head on and have to be transparent – this is stuff that we should have been hearing from the beginning. You know, between, between the preseason and week one, there's two weeks. There's two weeks. It's like, you know, preseason did not go the way that we wanted. We did not see, you know, the team on the field together. We didn't get the reps out of our starters that we would have liked to because some starters were banged up. Offensive line was banged up, so we couldn't have Justin out there that much, so on and so forth. We're hearing all of this now, and it feels – it's not too late, but it's too late at the same time. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, no shit. No shit the team doesn't look good. Yeah, no shit they didn't play well together or they didn't play together at all during the preseason. So it's going to take them time to gel. We should have been having this conversation three weeks ago. We really should have been saying it's going to take time to gel. We feel good about this team. We feel good about the talent level on this roster. You know, as and. I don't give a damn how, may, how it may have looked to, to even us or the press or anything like that, that people are like, oh, the Bears are preparing uh, everyone for, you know, to, for them to kind of suck in the beginning of the season. It, w- it would have been honest. It would have been realistic, okay? And it wouldn't, I think, would have taken some of the sting out of the loss that we saw against Green Bay week one. I, I really do. I really do think that if something like this was said between the preseason and week one, that it wouldn't have stung as bad as it did. 
you know, to go out there and to have all these high expectations for everyone to be so excited about week one, because now after, because we all know we didn't see this team play together in the preseason. Now we finally get to see them play for real on the field week one. It's about time. And then we saw them do that. And then they backed it up by doing what they did on Sunday against Buck on the Buccaneers. And it, it, it hit us all like a ton of bricks. Okay, and happening against Green Bay was just fuel to the fire. You know, it just it just made it hurt worse. And I honestly think that if this had been put out there, that the team needs time to gel, the preseason didn't go the way that we wanted it to, Justin is, is you know, still learning. It had to go from being a guy that basically had to carry the team on his back last year, which is absolutely true, because without him, we had no offense last year. None. We had no offense. If, 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 you know, if defenses came in, okay. We find Darnell Mooney. We find Cole Komet. We try to figure out how to slow down Justin Fields. After that, you got the Bears nicked because, you know, we scored 21 points. We got them whooped because their offense won't be able to keep up. And we know their defense can't stop us. So that's all you got to do. And, you know, Justin was coming out saying that, you know, to hell with all this pocket passing stuff. He's just going to go out there and play football the way that he knows how to play football. So basically we're, we're all, all bets are off. We're back to square one. But again, this does put it all on him. It really does put it all on him. And I hope that he's ready for that. I just hope he's ready for the repercussions, especially if he comes out and looks exactly the same against the Chiefs on Sunday. It's like, well, what happened, dude? What happened? So this is a big, big game for the Bears uh, on Sunday, not only to avoid an 0-3 hole, which would virtually 100% guarantee they're not making any kind of playoff run uh, or anything like that, but, um, you know, it's just uh, it's it's a big game. It's a really big game. Coming against the worst possible team in the worst possible place, Uh, but that's, you know, it just wouldn't be the Bears if it didn't happen this way. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's you want to put the hold the team or the organization to task because these are comments that we should have heard weeks ago. It's like it's like I said, it's it's never too late to say things like this, but we're where we're well past when we should have had this conversation. Well past when we should have had this conversation. So th- this literally should have been something that that it was at least alluded to during the preseason or not so much during, well, maybe even during the preseason, you know, it's like, yeah, we, you know, we feel good about what we're seeing, but we really wish we could get some of the starters out there, but you know, we've, we've got some injuries that we're dealing with and blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I don't care how it would have looked the optics of it, it. It, it would have been out there at least, you know? And like I said, I honestly believe that if, if this conversation was being had going into the season, it, we wouldn't be sitting here so stone-faced shocked at the way that they got just blasted by the Packers week one. So, but I'm I'm excited. I don't know. Actually, maybe not excited, but I'm definitely way more intrigued about this game on Sunday against the Chiefs than I thought I was going to be, uh, completely honest with you. And this is like I'm just figuring this is, a, you know, I've been kind of looking at it as though this was going to be another uh, bloodbath that, uh, because, you know, if, if there's one thing that the bears have been good at in the last few years, 
It's that if, if a team comes in that's struggling, they don't continue to struggle against the Bears. The Bears help it. The Bears fix it. So where it is the Kansas City hasn't been able to stop turning over the football, making miscues, pre-snap penalties, you know, penalties killing drives and things like that, Kansas City will come in and play a mistake-free ball game against the Bears and win by 40 points. But I don't know. Maybe that will happen on Sunday. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, on that, but this this us against the world mentality is uh, you know very much could be. We'll talk about that in keys to the game uh, at the end of the uh, the show. Last thing I want to talk about before we get to our guest uh, Jacob Milham uh, from the Arrowhead Addict is the injury report. Uh, aside from obviously losing Braxton Jones, possibly for the year, uh, I guess if that knee injury, um, knee injury, neck injury. Uh, require surgery at some point. We'll have to see what uh, what happens at that point. But uh, for the Bears, injury report looks like this. Josh Blackwell, who was out against the Bucks on Sunday, was limited with that hamstring injury, but full go today on Thursday. So that's, uh, that's promising. Uh, Nate Davis was out today for personal reasons. I'm hoping that we're drawing to the end of that because uh, we need him. We need him. We absolutely need him out there. Uh, especially with Braxton Jones going down. There's another offensive line reshuffling uh, coming. We need him out there. Uh, Eddie Jackson, who left the game early on Sunday with a foot injury, has yet to practice uh, this week. We haven't heard anything about that as far as the the severity of it and and things like that. Uh, Khalid Kareem, defensive end for the Bears, was limited today with a hip injury. Mercedes Lewis was – I don't know why they put these on the injury report – was out for you know a Veterans Day of rest. He didn't practice today, so this was his one day off from practice this week. Darnell Mooney uh, left the game on Sunday with a knee injury, has been limited both days this week uh, with that knee injury. Lucas Patrick was out yesterday with an illness. He was full go, so he's back at practice uh, today. On the Kansas City side, linebacker Nick Bolton has, practiced, has not practiced just this week with an ankle injury. Uh, linebacker Willie Gay was uh, limited uh, today with the quad injury, did not practice yesterday, so it seems that he's trending up. Wide receiver Richie James, who uh, had a big muffed punt uh, last week against the Jaguars, has not practiced yet with a knee injury uh, this week. Isaiah Pacheco, that's definitely a name we want to keep an eye on, uh, has been nursing a hamstring injury, was out of practice yesterday, limited uh, today. Uh, Kadarius Tony has not practiced yet this week with a toe uh, injury and and to tell you the truth, I, I kind of wish Kadarius would play because uh, maybe he'd want to ricochet a pass into the open arms of Jalen Johnson so he could run it back for a touchdown. Maybe he could help us out with that. Uh, Legarius Sneed uh, limited yesterday, full go today, corner uh, with a knee injury. Uh, Jawan Taylor, uh, who um, was on the Bears' radar a little bit, I don't think they were you know any any serious uh undertones of trying to sign him during the offseason but he was a offensive tackle on the free agent market when the bears had money to spend uh signed with the chiefs for four years and 80 million so 20 million uh a season uh was uh is on the injury report with a shoulder injury but has been full go both days so far this week um justin watson a wide receiver with an ankle injury has been full go and uh jalen watson jalen watson i should say Shoulder injury was full go in practice uh, today. So the name's not on that list. Travis Kelsey, they, he's off the injury report with that knee injury, so he is 
good to go. I even saw a tweet earlier today that said he's past the injury. He's 100% uh, at this point. So, okay. So that was my two cents and my, my thoughts and opinions on everything that happened uh, in Hallis Hall. I mean, and what a rough day for Ryan Poles because here he is coming into the office. It was his stinking birthday of all days. September 20th is uh, Ryan Poles' birthday. And uh, not only did he have to put his starting left tackle on injured reserve, he had to, uh, you know, try to figure out how to manage uh, the fallout from his quarterback, seemingly calling out the coaching staff. Oh, yeah, and then his uh, his uh, defensive coordinator might be mixed up in something. Maybe the FBI raided his house. Who the hell knows? Uh, and figuring out all of that uh, as well. He's probably just planning on coming into work, and maybe somebody got him a cake, and everyone sings happy birthday, and it's great, and... You know, I'd imagine the last thing he wanted to do yesterday was try to put a positive spin on that day and be like, yeah, let's cut a cake and wear a funny hat and take pictures and stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully he's having a better day today, even after facing the press. But uh, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Uh, we've had a longer than usual uh, news and notes uh, period uh, today. So let's go ahead and bring our guest from the Arrowhead Attic. It's Jacob Milham. Uh, to preview Bears Chiefs for week number three. It's already week three, which means our beloved Chicago Bears are headed down to Arrowhead to take on the defending world champion. Kansas City Chiefs, who strangely enough, still looking for their first win at home uh, this year after falling short against the Lions uh, week one. And here to help us preview this, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a bloodbath or if this might actually be interesting because of all the extenuating circumstances outside the Bears and, and whatnot. But uh, from the Arrowhead Addict, it's Jacob Milham. Jacob, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you having me back all man. So let's talk about the the Chiefs uh, real quick, and um, you know it's are are you guys worried at all about the Chiefs because they they had and it wasn't so much that they that they lost against the the Lions is that they were kind of shooting themselves in the foot while while losing that game to the Lions and then last week the first half uh, against the Jaguars uh, the the first the first half of series was like punt punt. Muffed punt, yeah. fumble, interception, and then finally on the last drive, a touchdown, and you still only managed 17 points, which thanks to your defense was enough to win against the Jags last Sunday. Is, are, is there any concern? I mean, I, nobody, I know nobody's hitting the panic button in Kansas City by any stretch, but is anybody you know, worried or are there any concerns with the team thus far after the first two games? No, definitely. There's uh, there's some slight concerns, I would say, you know, but they are things that you can clean up at, at the end of the day, if, right. if you know what I mean. Like like penalties, you can clean up some of the some of the injuries have just really been taking a toll on this team this season. And it's been frustrating, but those are things that just come with the territory now, for this Week 3 matchup, man, un- unfortunately, I just think the things surrounding the Bears right now, not a whole lot of Chiefs fans are worried about this matchup, unfortunately. Yeah. And I will say this was a matchup I was looking forward to preseason. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much two weeks can change, unfortunately, though, Larry. Yeah. 
Tell me about it. I mean, I heard something from Ryan Poles in his press conference today that honestly kind of upset me. Because really? it Well, because it sounded like something that maybe we should have been talking about in that little period between the preseason and week one where he was talking about how he does have faith in this roster. He does believe that this team is much improved from the year before. But because of the, you know, uh, uh, we had a bunch of injuries during preseason. We didn't get to see a lot of reps out of our starters, this, that, and the other. This, time, this team needs time to gel. And before yeah, they can really kind of, you know, be cohesive and, and play together uh, really well. I mean, going from our – like our offense the, – the top five guys that we were supposed to start on the offensive line still have not played together and may not get a chance to at all with the news that Braxton Jones is on injured reserve now. And that could end up being a season-ending thing with that Nick injury that uh, he has. So we might go the entire season without having our best five out there. Uh, on the offensive line, and that just kind of trickles down uh, to everything else. And it was like, so, you know, if there was one good thing that came out of the chaos that was yesterday in in Hallis Hall is that it almost feels like it's forced the Bears to be a bit more transparent with what's really going on with the football team. I hope so, man. You know, the, like, you know, hey, it's like we, we still are, are very happy with the guys that we have, but right now uh, we're, we're, we're not where we want to be because this team hasn't really had a chance to – to play together, we weren't able to do it in the preseason, so unfortunately we kind of have to do it on the fly in the regular season for the games that count. So it's just going to take time for these guys to gel together to start playing like a team. And I'm like, well, hell, man, maybe we have this conversation three weeks ago, and it isn't like <laughs> the, the most enormous gut punch of all time, losing to Green Bay, not showing up like the team we were expecting to see take the field uh, week one. Yeah. So, But you're right, man. It's A lot has changed. Uh, in the short time since the preseason ended and, and the regular season uh, started. But like you said, with, with your guys, it's more just about cleaning things up, being more disciplined with the penalties, hanging on to the, hanging on to the football and, you know, and things like that, mental errors and, and, and the like. Uh, with the Bears, it's, uh, it's a lot deeper than that. So, I mean, it's... Uh, Unfortunately so, man. Yeah. It, it's I do, I, I do want to clarify this. I, yeah. I know I'm, I'm a guest on your podcast, and yeah. I, I want to say this. The Bears fan base is, in my opinion, easily a top seven fan base in the NFL. I sure. absolutely love Bears fans. History is great. The mood is, is great. But I feel like Bears fans... If you're being realistic about this organization right now, this is just not this is just not good right now. Yeah. I I understand that earlier this week it was bad. It was bad on all fronts. I I can't really think of a worse single day <laughs> in a in a football team in recent history. Truth yeah. be told, you had things affecting on the field, off the field, Justin Fields' comments, things like that. It's um, truthfully. I, I feel for Chicago Bears fans. I want you all to have a great product on the field. And I know, you know, Ryan Poles is from the Kansas City pipeline, but he's got he's to get some stuff together real quick. Yeah, it uh, definitely yesterday is one of those days that's going to go down in history for sure, especially when we find mm-hmm. out whatever the hell was going on with Allen Williams. I mean, that, that might make the day infamous as, as uh, history uh, goes along. Uh, everything it's like we still don't know what what that all what that was all about and you know if the line he tried to sell us on his res- resignation statement about health issues 
uh, holds any water if it's, uh, you know, health issues because I'm going to be in prison fighting for my life, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pretty soon or, or whatever. I mean, obviously, we don't want that to be the case, but, you know, we don't know. And uh, we just yep. simply don't know uh, right now. And, and that's what I was saying earlier on. Uh, in in the show when uh, when I was recording my other segments was uh, you know everything that happened and believe it or not we still have a game to play uh, right. this weekend uh, against one of the the best if not the best team uh, in the league and uh, we have to do it at their place where not a lot of people win football games and uh, you know nobody was going to give us much of a chance after weeks one and two to win this game what the hell do you think they think about us now. Right, you know, like with all that's, the, the, the mental nonsense, man. the the distractions, and the toll that can take on a team, and, and not so much about anything that they're doing to themselves, but the, just the mental uh, weight of it, having to answer questions about this after practice. Every time they talk to the the press, they don't want to talk about football. They want to talk about Allen Williams, or have the coaches told you what's going on with Allen Williams yet, or do you know who your defensive play caller is going to be this weekend, and uh, and all that kind of stuff, like you know, that stuff can can add stress where stress isn't needed, especially for an zero and two team that is did not expect to be zero and two. No, not not at all, man, not at all. And it is it, it's going to be interesting to watch. I I'm just I'm looking for the body language. Yeah, that the Bears are going to come out into Arrowhead with like it's you you can lose a game before the first snap. Sure, and I'm worried that happens with Chicago and Arrowhead. It's I don't, I don't know, man. Like, like you said, it could be a bloodbath. It could could be competitive. If I had to bet on one, unfortunately, I would have to go towards the bloodbath. Man. Yeah, I, it I, sucks. I, honestly, I I sadly lean more towards bloodbath just because this was going to be a tough game for us to win. Just you know, before any of this happened. And with all of this happening now, it's either going to be a gigantic rallying cry for the team to come together and, you know, prepare itself for this this game, try to push out all the distractions and really show up for it, or that stuff really is going to weigh them down and it's going to be over before halftime. So, um, plus there's also, you know, being the, being the eternal pessimist, whenever a team is struggling – the team that you want to play is the Chicago Bears because if you're having trouble <laughs> hanging on to the football, here's a defense that has forced zero turnovers in the first two games uh, of the season. Patrick Mahomes has been under a lot of pressure against uh, Detroit and Jacksonville. We've got one sack in two games so far. So, Good you Lord, know, yeah, man. that's the kind of stuff it is. Like if Mahomes can sit back there for 12 seconds and throw it back, you know, behind the back with his left hand and find Kelsey wide open in the back of the end zone kind of thing. It's, it's just one of those things where, you know, if, if you're struggling with something, like say you're having trouble running the ball, all of a sudden you're playing the Bears and you just ran for 200 yards before halftime. So, you know, <laughs> it, 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 can be, it can be like that, which is why I was kind of worried about this game after Tampa Bay. It's like with everything that's happened this week and – uh, the drama and, and everything that's kind of gone around it, uh, I really do, really do want to know how the team is going to respond. And you mentioned uh, Justin Fields and his uh, and his comments and everything, basically saying that uh, he's going to be playing the way that he wants to play, as opposed to what his coaches have been trying have been like over coaching him 
uh, mm-hmm. the first two weeks where he's standing back there instead of going on instinct. He's sitting back there thinking, how is he going to look now that he says that he's going to basically just uh, take the blinders off and play football the way that he knows how to play football? How is that going to look? You know, is that going to be a virtue yeah. or a vice uh, against, the, uh, against the Chiefs? Because this is a defense that just shut down Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley and Travis Etienne held him to three lousy field goals uh, in that game on Sunday. So, I Listen, don't know. Un- unfortunately, I, I hate to say this, man, so I was putting together an article for the website today, you know, looking at waiver wire pickups fantasy-wise, and I had not realized how well fantasy – you know, a fantasy front, the Packers and the Bucks defense had done against the mm-hmm. Bears. Yeah. Like I was that's just not very characteristic. And I I get that that whole team has to be frustrated. And we saw that in this presser with Justin Fields. Now the <laughs> the responsibility of flexing should not be upon one player. It should be upon the coaching staff. I want to say that. Mm-hmm. If if the Bears can rebound a little bit against the Kansas City Chiefs, I I would consider that a moral win, and that's all this team needs right now. Well, you know, man. Yeah, you know, I I um, I, I feel like that is the same thing as well because I, I I feel like the the Chiefs are in a lose lose situation because if they beat the Bears, big deal. You should have beat them anyway. And obviously it will look a lot worse if they lose uh, to the Bears. But the Bears can win and still lose at the same time because we can, if we come out and we show some effort, we go out there, we smack the Chiefs in the mouth, we compete, we make a football game out of it, that's a hell of a lot more than we've done in the first two weeks of the season <laughs> that shows actual progress you know, and everything like that. And we weren't supposed to beat the Chiefs anyway, so yeah, we lost, big deal. You know, we're 0-3, so we're not making the playoffs, but we can, you know, turn this thing around and, hey, crazier things have happened than an 0-3 team making the playoffs somewhere down the line. Hell, the Lions almost pulled it off last year. So That's true. You know, they were 1-6 before they finally turned things around and almost made the uh, the playoffs. Like, so there's, there is room for a moral victory here uh, for the Bears. If we can't win on the scoreboard, there are other places for us to win. Like, if Justice come, Justin Fields does come out and ball – uh, against you guys if the defense can you know show up maybe force a turnover and sack Mahomes once or twice or something just showing a marked improvement from what we've seen goes in line with what our general manager told us on Thursday which is that this team needs time to gel the more they play together the better they're going to get I believe that 100 percent well here we are game number three their third game together yes we did see a marked improvement from last week to this week so maybe it is just time that we need and we all need to be patient watching this team come together, win or lose. Man, I, I, I kind of hope that's what it is yeah. because I still very much feel like the NFC North is very wide open. Yeah. Um, the I, I know the Lions beat the Chiefs. I, I get it, but I they're not invincible. They yeah. still, I think that we are going to see them lose to Atlanta this week. I'll, I'll put that out there. Mm-hmm. And they're not this 
clear favorite out of the NFC that they were in the preseason. They have some serious flaws right now, and injuries are taking their toll on them as well. Yeah. That's that's just a part of the NFL. I, I get it, but sometimes that IR can be, uh, can be more impactful than you want it to be, in my opinion. Yeah, because I, I mentioned that on my on my NFL uh, show the other night was that, you know, it's this game in Atlanta or against Atlanta because it's in Detroit will oh, be right. uh, the, the real question will be like which Lions defense because that's the more important thing here. They don't have any problems scoring points because they put up 31 against the, the Seahawks. They scored 21 uh, against you guys. Well, 14 technically that pick six didn't help. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know. Last year, their thing was, like, the first five weeks of the season, nobody scored more points than the Lions, but they were still, I think, like, two points. They were still, like, a minus two on points because they gave up a whole lot more uh, on defense. So this is, a, this is, going to, is this going to be a team that has to constantly outscore its opponents because its defense can't stop anybody? Or is the defense going to show up the way that it did week one in Kansas City and actually help its team win some ball games this year. And playing a game, like, playing a team like Atlanta, that has been uh, rather explosive, as, as especially as Bijan Robinson gets his feet under underneath uh, him. You know, could be a real test, uh, real test for them on Sunday. It could that it could. I'm I'm really trying to think of you know ways that the Bears can like come out on the field and just dominate in one or two areas and make this a game. Probably the they're gonna have to pick one facet of the game and set the tone in it. Mm-hmm. The the Chiefs can be it's gonna be harder to beat them in the passing game. It's gonna be harder to try to make it a shootout. You can just try to grind it out. But I don't know, is are they gonna put this game on, you know, Justin Fields' legs and Roshan Johnson's production? I don't know. That that could be the the way forward. It's this is going to be a tough game for Chicago to chart a way to victory or even competitiveness. Unfortunately, man. Yeah, no, I, I believe that, and that's why. Uh, spoiler alert, kids! My keys to the game after the segment after this. Key number two is to basically throw the book at Kansas City. You know, <laughs> kind of like do what the Lions did that opening drive. They went for it on fourth down. They faked the yeah. punt. And they got the first down. That turned into a touchdown, which turned to be huge in a game where only three touchdowns apiece were scored, uh, you know, for each team uh, and everything. It's just throw the book at them. What have you got to lose? Nobody thinks you have a snowball's chance in hell in winning this game. So you have to do everything you can to gain an upper hand, to get an extra series where you wouldn't have gotten one uh, otherwise. So if you have to fake a punt on fourth down, then do it. Fake a field goal. Uh, You know, surprise onside, God forbid. Whatever you got to do, you know, whatever you got to do, catch them off guard, you know, whatever you have to do to give yourself some kind of advantage, even if that advantage is giving yourself a morale boost in the middle of the game. We did an onside. We got it. Now the sideline is jacked. Everybody's in this game. The team is charged up and, you know, here we come kind of thing. Anything that you can do to give yourself an advantage, you should do it uh, on Sunday. And, and, um, you know, not because we're so inferior to the Chiefs, but we're just because we're playing so poorly, we definitely need something to boost the team, to charge us up. So, God forbid you guys kick off to us and Valus Jones runs it back for a touchdown. That's exactly what I'm talking about right there. 
You know, getting a touchdown where we yep. didn't need an, a 13-play, 80-yard drive to pull it off. One play, 10 seconds later, boom, we're already on the board. The Chiefs are playing from behind. Boom, here we go, uh, kind of thing. Anything you can do to give yourself a spark. And I, I, I will say there's going to be – I completely spaced on this. So um, Richie James's injury is, is big mm-hmm. in the way that the Chiefs, they had it last year, they had it – they have it this year too – the punt game and punt returns are not strong in Kansas City. Fumbles happen often in the punt return game. So if if you're telling me, you know, Chiefs defense stands strong, gets a three and out, it's a good chance Chicago punts it, and then boom, you got the you got the ball fifty yards down the field <laughs> because you have some random wide receiver back there catching the punt for the Chiefs this week. Yeah, the one that I saw, Richie James muffed, it really did look like he just lost it in he the did. sun. He did. Yeah, because it hit him in the shoulder. It didn't hit him in the uh, hit him in the chest. It's like he had it, and then it just, like it crossed paths with the sun. He lost it. Next thing you know, it's banked in off the shoulder, and the Jags uh, uh, recovered it. Uh, well, come on, man. Like how, I, in my opinion, how smart is it to have you're a, a return man? That's your main job. Why are you going to have a clear visor? <laughs> when you're down in Jacksonville, sunny Florida, yeah. you have to stare up at the sky. I, Me personally, I wouldn't have anything, or I'd have a tinted one at least. I bet you that causes a hell of a glare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's any, just me. anything to do with the sun in Florida. I mean, well, I mean, when the Bears experienced it on Sunday as well. We, oh, were, in, we were in Tampa where it was uh, like 90 degrees plus, you know, 70% humidity. Uh, down there it's like it must have been unbearable on the field you know not to mention we were wearing the worst uniforms in football uh on sunday with the orange helmets and the orange jerseys yo y'all don't like those i think they're absolutely disgusting because (laughs) i'm a fan of the chicago bears not the chicago pumpkins so you can keep those goddamn orange jerseys put them in a pile in the 50 yard line and set them the fuck on fire so i i absolutely hate them so no, hey, li- listen, man, you got to remember the pumpkin spice lattes are back and stuff like that. We uh, we got all this marketing on Nickelodeon and Disney and ABC and sure, stuff like that. Sure. We got to make the bears more marketable. All right? right. Well, I don't drink coffee, so that doesn't work on me. <laughs> Not at all. So, but yeah. Fair enough. So, so tell me about the, the Chiefs. I was looking at the uh, injury report. It's uh, Isaiah Pacheco's banged up nope. a little bit. Um, I think Watson, who also had a fumble in the game. Uh, as well yes. against the Jaguars, he's a little uh, banged up, and uh, you know. But the the good news is Travis Kelsey not even on the injury report uh, this I'll week, so he's one hundred percent recovered. I guess not a not an issue there. Chris Jones was an animal last week against the Jaguar. Who would never known that guy didn't practice in the preseason or in the you know oh, or in man. training camp so or anything good. like that. He was a beast against Jacksonville uh, last week. So. You know, any any other concerns with uh, with injuries besides uh, Richie James missing your punt returner? Um, Nick Bolton is a big one. Mm. I truth be told, I don't have an update on the severity of it, but he hasn't practiced this week at right. all. So that is uh, definitely a big one. I mean, just I I know the linebacker position can be a little uh, little iffy on its impact in today's game. But when you have a guy who recorded 180 tackles last year and he's just not back there with no notice, that's a that's a big hit. 
now I, I understand the Bears want to get the rock pounded on the ground. If Bolton's not there, that's probably a good way to go because he is he's a run stuffer up, up the middle, and he is the general of that Chiefs defense. Truth be told, we're, Chiefs kingdom is so tired of Kadarius Tony's name being on the injury report. Yeah. We expect it every, every time, every week this season. Now it's with a toe. Yeah. And we're, we're just curious who's going to be catching the ball from Patrick Mahomes. Now, for those who don't know, Patrick Mahomes has been spreading around the, the ball pretty well in the a passing lot. game yeah. Yeah. this season. So that's when we're not that worried. But we saw last week against Jacksonville how Tony can change the game mm-hmm. in, you know, just short little routes, getting himself open. Andy Reid did a good job of scheming him open. open. Now, what are they going to do when Tony's might be might be out or limited at least? So I think those are two injuries to really watch. Um, also, Legereus Sneed, he's, he's been a full practice today and a limited practice yesterday. I will say this, though, he does not look the same. I, I am definitely looking forward to seeing more go up against him because that more might cook him pretty easily at times. Hmm. What about Juwan Taylor? Uh, man, the, the the man of the uh, of the season so far it seems. Jawan Taylor, I I am worried. How is he going to respond to he had five penalties? Five penalties by himself against the Jaguars. Like that is a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see how he responds. Was this just like a one week overcompensation for what happened against the Lions? Maybe. Officials are humans too. They definitely heard the chatter, but Jawan Taylor has to has to clean it up. Whether it be the uh, the mistiming the snaps or whether it be the alignment, he has to look out for that stuff. Now, um, Coach Heck is really good in Kansas City. I am hoping that they addressed it firmly. It was a uh, it was a point of focus immediately after the game. Jawan Taylor came up, so I am he, he's a good pass block. When he's on the field and when he's not drawing laundry onto the field. So I'm not worried about his play. I am worried about, okay, he needs to address these penalties and how is that going to affect his play style? Yeah, because he was it. So I was Tariko, or was it Chris Collinsworth on the first game that uh, I think was, was talking Tariko. about that, you know, Juwan Taylor, who's the right tackle, correct? Yes, that yeah. he is. So he was the one that everybody thought was jumping off sides or jumping early every snap and. Uh, he was also lined like three yards into the backfield uh, mm. kind of thing. Cause I think it was Collinsworth is like, you know, he split out wide at tight end or whatever yeah. or something <laughs> like, you know, cracking jokes about how far off or how back, how far back off the line of scrimmage he's actually uh, lined up uh, and everything. So were the refs calling him for what he was getting away with against Detroit? Is that what it was? So that is that is one thing. Let's see. If I remember right, he got called for holding twice, which, you know, he's he's a tackle. He was going up against Josh Allen, so a, a pretty good pass rusher right. who has the speed advantage. So holdings are going to happen. What they were getting him for the most part was the um, the illegal alignment okay. as well, where his, his helmet has to break. Creed Humphrey, who was our center, has to break his uh, his belt line, I think is the actual term. I just used the hip. 
I will if if you don't follow him on YouTube, I'm going to plug him. There's a guy named Brett Coleman. Oh yeah, who who uh, runs a, a very very good channel. I love watching his stuff. Yeah, the film and room. He was uh, he was using Jawad Taylor from week one and drawing lines with his uh, with his helmet in relation to you know where the ball was. And yeah, he was lined up farther back at times than wide receivers split out off the line. So, I mean, he was getting away with some crazy stuff in week one. But it's one of those things. If they ain't calling it, then just keep it's it's on the players to push the envelope a little bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't fault any opponent right. doing that if the ref is if the ref isn't calling it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's a little bit of everything. Like I said, he's got a lot of stuff to clean up. Um, Donovan Smith is also, he's our left tackle. He has some holding problems, but those are more career. Like that's been something that's been going on his entire time. in the league. Jawan Taylor is the one that everyone is rightfully focused on right now to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, I've had Brett on the show a couple awesome. of times cause, uh, he's, uh, he's a Texans guy, but the, his NFC team for one reason or another is the bears. So really? I've had him on a couple of times to talk about the Bears and uh, you know and the Texans uh, as well, and um, I, I specifically had him on a couple years ago because he did a film on Mitch Trubisky Ooh. after after the 2018 season, where it was just like I can't figure this guy out at all. You know, it's like yes, he's better at the end of the season than he was at the beginning, but there's still glaring things that he's doing wrong. There's footwork this, there's hip work that, you know, he gets very technical uh, and, and breaks it down uh, kind of thing. He is very good at what he does. And so, and I was, you know, felt lucky to have him on the show the few times uh, that I've had him. But uh, I did see that video about uh, how to get away with penalties or something like that was what it was called. Or yeah, how to get away like with how to get away with murder. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And so uh, it was. I haven't uh, sat down and watched that one, but I, I got the gist of it just from the thumbnail, what that one was about. Exactly. So, but, um, Let's yeah. see, I'm trying to – so here's here's something that I think should be getting talked more about ahead of the Week 3 matchup. It's going to get lost in the shuffle. I am in the small camp that we are seeing the, the missing link that Eric Bieniemy brought to Kansas City that Matt Nagy oh, cannot yeah. – you know I'm a Chicago Bears guy, so I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is anybody calling for Nagy to give the play sheet back to Andy Reid? And, and when do you think that might happen? Because, honestly, watching the Lions game, because I watched the, almost all of the Lions game, that was giving me PTSD from days of Oof. him calling offensive plays for the Bears. Like that one, was it like a jet sweep or whatever on third and one where they ended up losing four yards and having to punt the ball back to Detroit? It's like he did that over and over in Chicago. It had succeeded just as well as it did on that particular play, but he kept running it. It kept coming back uh, and things like that. So, you know, how are you guys feeling about Nagy even after only two weeks? So I do. I want to preface this with this. The Chiefs, we learned it with Bienemy and with even Peterson before Nagy and them. They always keep who is actually calling the plays pretty close. Um, Andy Reid, he he called the plays for most of the past few seasons. I truthfully don't know if play calling duties are on Nagy yet, but but just by the game plan, 
I completely agree with you. I'm I'm kind of I'm done with the QT stuff. Yeah. That was the worst part of week one, in my opinion, was there's no straightforward going down the field yes. sort of running place, which ended a lot of drives mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. You, you can't have that, in my opinion. What I'm more focused on is there are a lot of facets of the game that are not as crisp as they were with the enemy. Now we, we heard in the off season about the uh, commanders players, not liking the intensity that the enemy brought to training camp. Now we see that intensity pay off during the regular season and during the postseason, hopefully. So what I'm thinking is like, Hey, if Nagy doesn't bring that same energy or that same attention to detail, that is going to hinder the offense moving forward. We, I'm trying to think. We saw, like, Kadarius Tony and Richie James just kind of brushing each other, each other too closely on a third down, and that ended a drive right there and resulted in a drop. Things like that and just not – just trying to get too cute yeah. with the game plan. Just that keep was, it. Sometimes you got to keep it simple. Man, yeah, you know, you just you you just sounded like me for four years. <laughs> four years of my podcast is like you don't always have to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't always have to do that. How about you just run the offense instead of trying to constantly catch the defense with their pants down, which yep. is all he was trying to do with the quick screens, with the jet sweeps. Uh, and things like that. Oh, here comes that guy across the motion. Oh, wait, he's got the ball, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they saw this coming. Not to mention he tried to pull that nonsense against the Lions, who saw that twice a year for four years while he was calling the plays. It's like, you mean to tell me they didn't think you, you didn't think they would see that coming? They got, exactly. a, they got a library of film on you calling that a play over and over again and all the times that they stopped it. Even though it's a different regime than when Nagy was there, that's all they still have that it's like oh yeah we got an archive of Matt Nagy calling plays uh, against yep. us and and you know this is what he likes to do now that he's running the offense and he probably thinks because he finally does have Mahomes and he doesn't have to try to get Trubisky to cater to it that it should be a lot easier to run this and we're finding out after two weeks 20 points against the Lions 17 against the Jaguars eh, maybe not no, nope. maybe Trubisky and company weren't the problem after all. It was Nagy trying to be the smartest guy in the room and be so cutesy and stuff, rather than you know using what you got there to uh, to win a football game. Yeah, I definitely. And you you talked about it earlier on in the episode that the week one loss was a good chunk of it was the Chiefs shooting themselves in the foot, yeah, rather than the Lions actually beating down on Kansas City. I'd. That's you. You're talking about your keys. This might be it, but you know what? The Chiefs beating themselves is probably the best way that the Bears are going to have a chance to win. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, and that's one of those things where it's, I've, I was saying like they're still the champs until they're not, until they're eliminated from playoff contention or get beat in the postseason. They're still the world champs, and you know until otherwise. It's like, but in the first two weeks, I'm not terrified. Uh, of the yeah. uh, of the Chiefs, I'm still uh, still afraid, still scared, but not terrified. Where it was just like this is, I don't even know. I don't even think we should get off the plane. You know, we should just be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, we touch down, get right back on the runway, and fly back home for all the good it's going to do. You get off the plane. Um, you know, it's like I any given Sunday, right? Yeah, I mean, with, it's that's exactly it because it's just 
one of those things, take the fact that the Chiefs haven't been invincible these first two weeks, everything that the Bears have faced just to get through the week, could that be enough to give them a boost to be like, you know what, F this, we're going to go out there and play, you know, give the performance of our lives and forget everything that's happened and just play football kind of thing. That could be a recipe for disaster uh, for the mm-hmm. For the Chiefs. Here comes this team that's got nothing to lose. Nobody's giving them a chance in hell. And, you know, oh, whoops, so-and-so fumbles the punt, and the floodgates opened up before you know it. The Bears are up 21 to nothing or something crazy exactly. like that. So, I mean, I think back to 2015, when the last time the Bears made the trip to Arrowhead, nobody was giving the Bears a chance to win that one. And final minute of the game, Cutler finds Matt Forte in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Whoops, Bears won this one. What happened? You know, kind of thing. So exactly. crazier things have happened, and they still can. And, uh, you know, we have a much more talented squad. Like, if if this was 2022 and we were coming to see you guys right now, we'd be like, okay, so we're going to get everybody measured for a coffin because this thing's going to be over by the end <laughs> of the first quarter. And, you know, just tell us where to bury them. You know, get us a nice little size plot and we'll make sure that we get everyone buried uh before we leave town but it's like we have dj moore we have guys like robert tunyon uh roshan johnson is 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 a stud in waiting in my opinion you know we're we're not we're not great on defense but the talent is upgraded across the board so it's just a matter of something to bring it all together uh like ryan pole says just needs time for them to to gel and maybe a few mistakes made by the world champs giving them a boost and giving some advantage might be enough to get the ball rolling for these exactly. guys to get them to believe in themselves. And the next thing you know, the Bears are a problem uh, for people. And so, I, I and I I want to I want to clarify this. I'm not I I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm a Chiefs writer after all. I'm not I'm not going to pick the Bears over the Chiefs right no, now. Neither but, am I, and I'm a lifelong Bears fan. So <laughs> it is. It is not right to not recognize the, you know, we've we've seen these stories before. Sure. And all it takes is that one catalyst that you're, that you're talking about, man. And, you know, this could be a game looking back, you know, eight weeks in the future. Like, hey, it was that one game against the Chiefs that the Bears did this or the Bears did that right. And that just changes the entire trajectory of the season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you've seen that happen. I mean, there are teams that have won championships on what could happen uh, on mm-hmm. Sunday. But like, hey, it was an abysmal start to the year. They went into this game. Nobody gave them a chance. But this pick six in the third quarter by so-and-so gave them the victory. And the next thing you know, they were off and running and they won six straight and, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, they became a problem for the rest of the uh, rest of the league. So Yes, sir. But speaking realistically, <laughs> all things being equal, uh, you know, I am picking the Chiefs to win them. I'm running a confidence game with my uh, pick them game with my listeners. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm putting eight points on the Chiefs out of 16 uh, to win. So right in the middle of the road, like I said, all right. I, haven't, I haven't been, you know, overly impressed with the Chiefs, but they're still the Chiefs. They're still the champs. They still have Andy Reid. They still have Pat Mahomes. Travis Kelsey is healthy. Chris Jones is back, so there's a lot to like about them winning this game uh, on Sunday. So it's just a matter of what the Bears are going to do to offset what Kansas City brings to the brings to the table. You know, to, exactly. to like, is it going to be enough to win the game or keep it close, or is it just going to be like watching Green Bay pull away in the second half like they did uh, Week One? 
You know, like right. maybe we give them a fight for the first two quarters, but then that opening drive, we gave up a touchdown, and it was all Kansas City after that uh, kind of thing. So, you know, and like I said, the Bears also have this nasty habit of uh, bringing their opponents to life where they've been struggling uh, before. So where it is the Chiefs have had trouble, you know, hanging on to the football, they don't get a turnover uh, against the Bears because it's the Bears, and the Bears don't force turnovers and things like that. So Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> yeah, not yet. We haven't forced a turnover yet uh, in the first two games of the season. One sack in two games against Love and Baker Mayfield, just the one, and the one was a coverage sack. Uh, oh, all things. So it's not like Ngakwe blew right past the guy and just swallowed him up in the in the pocket. It was he's moving around. It's and then six seconds later we finally tackle him. Uh, you know we finally ran him down, uh, kind Jeez. of thing. So I know that he was under a pressure a lot against the Lions. Um, it didn't look like the Jags were doing too much damage on the pass rush to him. I know Josh Allen was no. doing was doing his thing, but I only watched the condensed like eleven minute version. Uh, uh, gotcha. of the game, so I didn't watch the the whole thing, but I didn't get a sense in the highlights that Mahomes was running for his life the entire game. No, it's, yeah, and I think that's definitely something that the Chiefs are going to have the edges in, in, in the pass rush, um, but it's it's more, if you got speed off the edge, you got a, you got a good chance against this offensive line. Um, the, the interior is going to bottle up most interior pass rushers, but if you got some bend and speed off the edge, then you got a good chance against Taylor and Smith. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot, Larry. You ready okay. for this? Nail me, hit me. All right. So the spread as we're talking right now is has the Bears at twelve and a half point underdogs. <laughs> Let me ask you. Any idea what it was before any of the shit started yesterday on Wednesday? Oh, I wish I wish I did. I would bet you like all that stuff yesterday probably swung at about two oh, points. I would I would I was you know I was thinking like you know it probably was the Bears were like eight point underdogs yesterday, but it's like first it was Justin Fields, then it was Braxton Jones on IR, then it was Allen Williams. It's like tick tick tick. Oh look at that! Yeah. Twelve and a half now uh, is the spread. Uh, oh for my the gosh! Game. It's like, yeah, that that doesn't surprise me at all to hear that. That that would be terrible. What are are you picking the Bears to cover that spread though? What do you think? In a perfect world, yes. Yeah. Uh, in a realistic world, I would probably think somewhere on the lines of like twenty-seven to thirteen, twenty-seven to ten, twenty-four to ten, something like that. I, I would honestly, even though that's a lot, I would I would pick Kansas City to cover. Okay, man, that, that sucks here, man. Yeah. So, but that's that's going based on how they played week one and week two. Because how they played week one and week two, there was nothing that they did that would make me believe they can come out and take Kansas City's best shot and deliver one of their own. It's They haven't done that Got yet. It. But, you know, like I said, that's what makes the game intriguing, not just because it's my team, but also I want to see how they're going to respond to A, how they played the first two weeks and the entire fan base is coming down on top of them, calling for jobs, calling for people to get cut or traded. Justin Fields is going to get benched and we're going to bring in that rookie uh, base Bajan who is undrafted and looked awesome in the preseason. Everything, all of that, to go along with all the drama that's been going on this week, I want to see how they're going to respond to all of that. You know, mm-hmm. Will they come out and will it look like it's been weighing on them all week long? Or will it look like they shook it off in the locker room and, boom, they came ready to play today before I could honestly lay down a bet on how that's going to 
Because, like I said, 12 and a half points is a lot. You know, it is. That's, that is a lot. It's like I'm not – I've never been one to mess with spreads or, you know, I've always been pick them, yes or no. It's like right or left, one or two, A or B. That's me as far <laughs> as, you know, making picks for – for games and stuff, it's not like, well, I think Chicago's going to win, but give me Kansas City minus six or whatever the hell that means and yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's just more about who's going to win, yes or no. Did I get the pick right? Not so much that Oak's like, I, I said the Bears were going to win, but they didn't cover. They didn't win by enough or they didn't lose by enough or, uh, or whatever. It's like I've never messed with that because that stuff just – it feels like too much for me. Like I just – Pick, make the pick. I want to make that I get the pick right. Never mind. Fair enough, man. You know, make the pick, and then also they have to cover, or they have to they have to win by this much, or lose by this, or less than this, or 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 whatever. So yeah, it's always kind of that always kind of like crazy. But twelve and a half points is a ton. And it based is. on week one and week two, I said I would say yes. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to, even though I think they're still going to struggle so long as Nagy is calling plays or in charge of the game plan. I think they're going to struggle mightily on offense until either Andy Reid reins him in or takes over the actual uh, play calling uh, duties. But hard I still, to disagree with that, man. Yeah, I still think it'll be enough to um, to do what uh, whatever they need to do to to cover a twelve and a half point spread. <laughs> so, but I, I, you know what? I hope they show up, and I hope they, uh, you know, the defense comes and plays well and takes advantage of the fact they're playing against their their head coach from a few years ago and, uh, you know, take the knowledge that they have, even though there's like six guys left on the team that he was coaching. Uh, Cause polls came in and gutted the entire roster. There are literally like nine guys on the team that were still on the team in 2021, which was Nagy's last season. So, you know, there aren't many there that would have any kind of attachment or, you know, resentment or revenge factor or whatever for Nagy and everything that he did to the team uh, while he was there. So, but uh, what's Andy Reid saying about the team? So, I mean, has he, has he had to answer any questions like, you know, are we worried about the team at all or anything like that? No, truth, truth be told, I did not listen to his presser from today. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit that. Um, but he's been, he's been all business. Uh, pressers have been fairly short as of late. And uh, honestly, he is just, he's more focused on Travis Kelsey's health, which I will say Kelsey can, said today, knee is 100%. I, yeah. I know players will always say the best things about their body. Like, oh, this is the best shape I've ever been in. Yeah. Listen, if if Travis Kelsey says the knee is at 100%, I, I trust that. It's not a big issue with Andy Reid. So I'm hoping that that is actually the case. I... You know what? Andy Reid is, is all business. I I feel like they got the first win, kind of got this monkey off their back, mm-hmm. and just trying to keep this momentum rolling back to Arrowhead and get the first win at home of the season, man. Yeah, yeah. I was well, I was afraid you were going to say, like, no, Andy Reid's not worried at all. It's just <laughs> he still has Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and uh, – you know, maybe they'll have Nick Bolton this uh, this weekend, and if they don't, then they'll figure it out because that's what Andy Reid does. And, and uh, you know what? And Andy Reid doesn't do this this long without having a healthy respect for any opponent that he faces. I mean, he, he's been doing this nearly as long as I've been alive, been right. a head coach in the NFL. Right. So he's he's learned a lesson about running his mouth a time or two, I'm sure. Yeah, I've always wondered, you know, what it was that uh, – that makes certain guys um, great 
or good, even good uh, yeah. head coaches. Because, um, you know, you, 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 th- you think you have somebody. Guys like um, oh, f- uh, the defensive coordinator, Phillips. I always forget his first name. Bum Phillips' son. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I want to say Dan, Wade but is it? Wade Phillips? Yeah, Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, yeah. Best defensive coordinator probably in the last 25 years. Any team that he goes to, their defense automatically becomes top five and championship level. But give that guy his own team. His team can't play defense. His team can't win football games and everything. And then go from that right back to being a D.C. again. Boom. World championship level defense is like, you know. And I thought Todd Bowles was going to be the next Wade Phillips. Oh you yeah, know, he was a he was a savage in in Arizona under Bruce Arians. He goes to New York. All of a sudden, the Jets can't play defense. You know, they had that one ten and six season, but otherwise, they were a bad football team uh, and everything. The next thing you know, he's defensive coordinator for Arians in Tampa Bay. They win a freaking Super Bowl uh, yeah. with him. You know, calling to shut down Pat Mahomes of all people uh, in the Super Bowl to to win that ring. And everything, mm-hmm. and like, oh, they they elevated him to head coach when Arians retired, and they went eight and nine in first exactly. season as as uh, head coach of the Buccaneers. So, listen, some some folks just have that have that limitation, and they elevate their role, yeah, better. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah, some guys are just born for it. I guess it would be the simplest way to uh, uh, to put it. You know, like whatever their whatever their makeup is, they they can be the leader of men or. They can coach the coaches to, uh, you know, get the team ready and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And some guys just uh, they they were they were uh, the you know the sexy pick for a moment, and they got a job. And it's like ten minutes into them having the job, they're like, "How did this guy get the job?" So yeah, yeah, you you, you kind of wonder. And, and right now, there's a lot of people in Chicago wondering if Eberflus is that guy <laughs> because his football team is on a 12 game regular season losing streak right now. Because we lost the last 10 games of 2022. We've lost the first two games of 2023 and on the verge of possibly losing three, if not more, uh, to kick off this season. So it's, uh, it's been, you know, without everything that happened yesterday, it was already an ugly week in Chicago <laughs> because, yeah. you know, we lost to Baker Mayfield, who's on his fourth team in two seasons uh, or something like that. And, we made him go out there and look like the second coming of a young Brett Favre, just out <laughs> there eluding tackles, you know, pitching, dancing you know, around, doing yeah, doing the you know like a pitch five yards down the field to a, a receiver. He just gets it in there. The defender can't get to it, you know, things like that. No turnovers, can't sack the guy. You nope. know, we had him twice dead to rights for a sack. He shook out of both of them, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like Baker Mayfield, you know. I love Baker Mayfield coming out of college, but it just seems like. He was destined to be, you know, that guy you signed for one year, uh, you know, your gap quarterback kind of thing yep. that looked like to be the phase in his career. The Bears made him look like he's going to be Tampa's quarterback for the next decade after what he just did to us on uh, on Sunday. So, Some of that Mayfield magic from Big 12, huh? <laughs> there you go. Some of that Oklahoma <laughs> magic that got him on that run uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So so what do you think the, the final score will be on Sunday? You think they're going to cover that 12 and a half? I'm trying to think. I I hate to say it, but no, no, okay. I no. I I feel like I'm being. I want to say the Chiefs go over thirty. Uh huh. This uh this week, I want to I want to say thirty one to fourteen. 
Um, this is like this is a competitive game mm-hmm. for about the first half, but I just I, I got a feeling it's going to be like the Packers game where the Chiefs just kind of sl- start slowly pulling away and then grinding the clock out. What do you think, man? Uh, you know, I realistically that sounds about right to me. Sadly, that you know maybe we will be able to come out and force a mistake or two or take advantage of this, that, or the other, or, or you know, just kind of uh, ride the wave, if you will, for the first half and, uh, you know, like 10-10 at halftime or something like that, and then Chiefs start with the ball in the second half. They run it right down the field and, and put it in the end zone uh, for a touchdown, and then we go three and out in the most embarrassing fashion possible. Chiefs take advantage of that, at least get a field goal of it. Now it's 10 points. It might as well be 100, and it's just off to the races. Yeah. Uh, from there. I mean, that's what week one and week two have made me believe. And like I said, I hope that they show up to Arrowhead and prove me wrong. I do. I really do. Because it was something that I tweeted out during the game on Sunday was the Bears were down 10 with 10 minutes to go. This game is not over by any stretch of the imagination, but I have zero confidence that we will come back and, and do something. And then the, the last two lines were on, on my tweet were, please pr- prove me wrong and then it was <laughs> i beg you prove me wrong you know please yeah. for the like on my knees literally on my please <laughs> prove me wrong make me out to be the asshole here you know have tell me you know teach me a lesson show me to have faith let's do something please and we did so lo and behold man lo and behold exactly so oh jacob so where can we uh where can we find you i mean i know you probably Probably just praying, counting the seconds until the royal season is finally over. Am I right? <laughs> yes, yeah. So listen, I'm. I wear a whole bunch of different hats over at Fansided. I write for Arrowhead Addict. I I run the site for the Royals arm of that. Mm-hmm. So that is that's been taking up much of the season. I'm glad to finally be watching a winning team. Sure, for a, <laughs> for a change. That's always good. Um, but hey, I'm I'm still on X. Just Jacob Milham Casey. You can find me over there. And but please go uh, if if you want to get more of the lowdown on the Chiefs ahead of this matchup. We'll have our staff predictions up on game day morning. I put that together. Um, and yeah, go go check out Arrowhead Addict. I can't I can't suggest that even more. Where are the Chiefs or the the, the Royals right now? What's their record looking like? I it, after last night they are fifty one and one oh two. They are bad. Wow. Wow. They're bad, bad, yeah. bad. Cause uh the Cubs are, are trying to be the Cubs again. Uh <laughs> where whereas from like June seventh or something up until like a week or two ago they, they had the best record in in baseball or something like that, and over the last two weeks they lost a series to the Rockies. They got swept by the Diamondbacks. Oh. And where they were comfortably the, the number two wildcard team, they're only half a game ahead of Miami for the last one. So they're still oh in the gosh. playoffs. The season ends today, but they're only half a game up Oof. on the Marlins. And they've lost, I think, uh, three of their last ten. Or they've won three of their last ten. Uh, yeah, right that's now. that's actually what you I'm know. looking looking at. You're right. Yeah, three so, three and seven. The last so, ten. That's not yeah, what you want. When you see, lose man. two out of three to Colorado, who are the the worst team in the National League, you you've got problems. You've got yeah. problems. 
So, and they, they gave up 13 to the Pirates last night, and God only knows what's happening in that game right now and, and all that kind of stuff. They really need some win. They still haven't won their 80th game yet. They're 79 and 73 or something uh, like that. Baseball playoffs nowadays are just wild, man. Yeah. Like, you, you used to have to have, like, an 85-win team just to even compete for the playoffs. Well, when I was a kid, you had there were only two playoff teams. That's true. On each That's side. True. There was an East Division and West Division champ. You had to win the division to make the postseason. There were no wild cards. That didn't come until I was in in the mid-90s and when I was in high school and stuff like that. That's uh, still a, a fairly new thing. I mean, I know, uh, you know, 30 years is a long time. But, you know, <laughs> still when, fairly new. When I was a kid, when I was six years old, the Cubs won the division in 84. They won the East Division kind of thing. And it was the Cubs and the Padres playing in the NLCS. Wow. That year. Just don't bring up the name uh, Leon, Leon Durham anywhere to uh, Cubs fans that are, that are old Yeesh. enough to remember. So it's an ugly, <laughs> ugly moment. It's a Bill Buckner kind of moment. Oh, boy. Had. You know, ball went right, right between his legs. Right between oh, his oh, legs. And LCS was wide open from there on. So. But, uh, that sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was six years old, and I still remember. <laughs> Very vividly. Yeah. It was a tra- my first traumatic sports moment. <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to be six-year-old Larry watching the Cubs go to the World Series for the first time in 50 years or whatever it was. Nope, we'd still have to wait another 32 years for that to happen in Oof. 2016 before they finally went ahead and, and uh, you know, froze hell over by winning the World Series uh, in 2016. <laughs> year after the Royals did it in 2015. So Yep, exactly. Ben Zobrist helping us out on both on that one. Hey, you know? no, no problem with that, man. Not at all. Love Benzo. He was awesome. He was awesome for us. Yeah, he was. So, anyway, Jacob, thanks so much uh, for coming on the uh, show. Hopefully we have an interesting ball game on our hands on Sunday, and interesting as in how it's played versus, you know, it's interesting that the Chiefs managed to score 100 points on the Bears on Sunday, <laughs> isn't it? Like Hopefully they, so, man. They broke the goddamn scoreboard. They didn't even have room for the one to go in front of the other numbers. It's crazy. They so, ran out of fireworks. They did. You know, they absolutely did. They were just popping off, you know, party favors at the end of the whole thing. <laughs> Couldn't really see them from on top of the scoreboard. But anyway, Jacob, thanks so much uh, for joining us, and uh, we hope to talk to you again real soon. Of course, man. Have a good one now. As always, want to thank our guest for joining us today, Jacob uh, Milham from the Arrowhead Attic, and uh, hope to hear from him again uh, some point uh, soon. And uh, let's just go ahead and dive right into the keys, get this show uh, wrapped up, uh, guys. And, and to tell you the truth, man, I don't think really any of these have anything to do with football. Well, they do, but as far as like, you know, like last week, protect the quarterback, let's, let's do the, better on third down, like not the hell with all of that. Okay, it's the Chiefs. And, you know, key number one is to band together. Because even before all the drama in Hallis Hall this week, no one was giving the Bears a snowball's chance in hell of really being able to even compete in this game, let alone have a chance in winning it. And this week's developments have definitely stacked the odds even more so against them. Like, I'd, I, I'd have to imagine that the betting odds got more and more into the Chiefs' favor when all of this stuff started going down yesterday. 
you know, even with Justin Fields' comments and then throwing Allen Williams on top of that and uh, and everything else, never mind Braxton Jones being out with the injury and all that kind of stuff. It was just like one domino after another falling. Be like, yep, yep. There's another, there's another point in the in the Chiefs' favorite. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I would say like maybe they were five point favorites beforehand. Maybe they were nine or ten by the end of the day uh, yesterday. So, you know, it's an us against the world kind of mentality. The Bears should be having. Nobody thinks they have a chance in this thing. In this thing, playing the Chiefs, playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead and all that kind of stuff, and that's the truth. It's ugly. You know, they're they're playing the champs who have not played well. They, you know, they they got beat week one at home with the whole world watching. They probably feel like they should have won that one. They were upset with themselves last week after the game in Jacksonville. They should have played better and they didn't, but they walked away with a win anyway. Uh it seems like this is a, you know, an angry animal that's willing that's going to want to take it out on somebody. And, uh, you know, the Bears have to band together and uh, do whatever they can to uh, head off the storm and and see if they can win this one on Sunday, which leads me to my second key. Take chances. Go for broke, man. What do we have to lose here? Nobody thinks we can win this game. Nobody. And, frankly, including me. You know, can they win the game? It's, It's that same old thing. Can they win the game? Absolutely. You know, stranger things have happened. Worse teams have beaten better. You know what I'm saying? This is the NFL. For Christ's sake, everybody has a bad day. The matchups just, you know, they're able to exploit something, this, that, or the other. It happens every single year, happens multiple times a season. Sometimes it happens every single week. You just, losses on the on the board, you cannot explain. And But to give ourselves a chance, it, and to me, it would go along with the way to show us, show the world how badly you want to win this game. Go for broke. Run a fake punt. Do a surprise onside. Go for it on fourth down. Throw the book at the Chiefs. Show the world how badly you want to win this game. I don't give a damn if people want to sit there and call it desperate uh, or anything like that. You know, you're in a desperate situation. You've lost the first two games of the season. You should have won at least one of them as far as like projections, you know, going through the season. This shouldn't be a you know, do or die type situation that it really shouldn't be. But here we are, pull out all the stops, do everything within your power to give yourself an advantage. You know, the chiefs are a good football team. They're better than us, but you know, it's, it's still football and, you know, funnier things have happened pull out an advantage, you gain, you know, an extra series that you wouldn't have gained otherwise, or you extend a drive that you were about to give up on, that kind of thing. You don't know how that can change momentum, how they could get the players, you know, riled up and so on and so forth. So take the chances. Put it all out there. You know, the season's not on the line, but the season's on the line. You know what I'm saying? We really need this win here. Um, So let's go out in there and do everything that we possibly can to get it. And then the final key, put your money where your mouth is, Justin. Uh, walking it back or not, you know, with the comments uh, after uh, practice, after he saw what uh, a statement of his taken out of context actually sounded like. Truth is, you said what you said, and now everyone is going to be looking for you to take this game over and see what the look, see what the offense looks like under your control or see what the offense looks like 
when you're out there playing football the way you know how to play football. So you did it. You put it out there. You got to go do it. Okay? And, and honestly, even if you end up losing, you have to be better than you've been. Okay? Because Kansas City is the team that's in the, in the lose-lose situation here. Okay? Because if they won, they were supposed to. And if they lose, then, then Jesus Christ, what the hell's going on in Kansas City? They're one and two. They've lost both home games and so on and so forth. Okay? So Kansas City loses, you know, quote-unquote, no matter what. We can still lose and come away winners here. Okay, say if, if we go out there, like I said, people aren't really even giving the Bears a chance to compete in this game. I think we can compete because I think the Chiefs are flawed at this point. Not so much with what they're doing, you know, with who they are or that they're a bad team or anything, but I've seen both of their games this year. They have been unimpressive in both games. They've had flashes here and there, but overall, it's been one mistake after another. They can't seem to get out of their own way. Hopefully, it's a trend that continues against the Bears to give the Bears a shot at least. So I think we can compete in this game. I ultimately don't think that we'll win. But like I said, winning isn't the most important thing. We need a win as far as like, you know, if we want to have any prayer of a postseason run later on this season as the team gels, as Ryan Poles says, we got to win uh, on Sunday. But if we see improvement from Justin Fields, if we start to see the offense coming together, seeing him hook up with DJ Moore, getting the offense moving, keeping the defense off of the field. Even if we come away with a loss there, that's a win. That's progress. That's what we've been wanting to see. That's growth. That's gelling, like Ryan Pulse said. We can, come, we can still lose and come away as winners here. Okay, The Chiefs can't win no matter what happens. We can win even if we lose. Okay, So just go out there, play your game. Pressure's off, bro. Nobody thinks you have a chance in hell of winning, so there's no pressure to win. I mean, obviously your fan base wants you to win. You want to win, but nobody thinks you can't. So what the hell is the harm in just going out there and and letting it all fly? So just go ahead and do that, and we'll see you on the other side. So there you go, guys. That's it, the keys to the game. I want to thank Jacob Milham again from Arrowhead Attic for helping us out. I want to thank you guys uh, for listening. Come back on Monday when we'll review Bears, Chiefs, see how it all went down. How did the defense look week number two under uh, Eberflus as the play caller? How did Justin Fields play? Did he put his money where his mouth was? Was it a bloodbath or did we actually give the Chiefs a game, win, lose, or draw? Come back on Monday and find that out. Until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.